0: guys welcome to the show on today's episode we get to pick the brains of the creator and owner operator of linear blocking tools all the way from wisconsin mr colton davidson colton's a super knowledgeable dude um super passionate we were lucky enough to chat to him about his journey and the birth of linear blocking tools i know i had a blast um i hope you guys enjoy the show let me know what you think here we go cool so Welcome, Colton Davidson, the creator, the owner, and operator of Linear Blocking Tools. How are you, man? Good, good. I'm doing good. How's things in so Australia? It's uh, it's good. Where I am, it, it's freaking hot. We've got um, i I think it's going to be our hottest week of the year. You know how you always get like that one week where it's ridiculously hot. Oh yeah, yeah. We're we're battling through that week. This week. Yeah. We're- we're the opposite
1: here. It's the wind chill of like ten below here right now. So,
0: your uh, which state are you again? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yep. Yes, yeah, so that's a... Is it. Oh yeah. Yep. Uh, Alright. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't get that cold here. Our our winters probably about as warm as your summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your story, mate? Tell us how you got into the industry and where you are today.
1: Uh, well, I guess I, the other day I listened to uh, your conversation with Travis and uh, my story is pretty similar. I started, it all started for me when I was about 12 years old or so. I started building chopper bicycles, uh, you know, making custom frames and stuff and just riding them around town. And, and that kind of sparked it all for me of, you know, kind of people who in and on over something cool and and, uh, I had flames on everything like Travis did. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's where it all started for me. And, uh, you know, I did mainly bicycles and, and small motorcycles and stuff until I was 16. And then when I was 16, I, uh, I had a Camaro and I, I painted my first car in my grandma's one car garage actually. So, so that's, that's kind of where it all started for me. And I've been, uh, I've been at it ever since. I went to, uh, after high school, I went to a tech program at CVTC in Eau Claire, Wisconsin and uh, kind of bounced around. I, I did mostly collision work for about five years and then uh, went to another shop where it was kind of a mix of collision and restoration and custom stuff. And, and uh, it was me and me and the owner were the only guys working there. And, it kind of got to a point where I pretty much ran the body shop and, uh, uh, did that for a couple of years. And then I went to Tony's and I've been at Tony's for almost six years now. So you're still actively, uh, restoring cars at Tony's? Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's mainly what we do is mostly resto mods. Uh, we do a few, I'll say correct restorations, but, but, uh, we kind of try not to because, honestly those aren't as cool for us as as uh you know a rest mod where it's just do whatever you want to do and make it cool you know
0: yeah so then you've take us through the birth of linear blocking tools that's obviously your new project yeah yeah so uh oh it's it's been quite a while ago
1: i was working on a nissan 300zx one day and i had a spot where i just i didn't really like how any block was working and uh i had some pieces of acrylic and i had some pex tubing and i screwed some pex to the acrylic and cut some slits in the pex and i i liked how that worked and um i actually had uh i was i was making them myself for for a while uh like that with pex and and with acrylic and uh i actually had a Guy in Australia, um, Reese Christensen. He's with Body Shop Bayswater. Uh, he messaged me one day and was basically like, "How much for a bunch of these?" You know, and and I said, "I can't, I can't make you know thousands of these, uh, just making them myself." So I, I uh, went to a manufacturer, and that's kind of where it all really started happening. I've got uh, filed patents in the U.S., Australia, Canada. A uh, few other countries we're working on, so that's kind of how it all happened. But you know, we're always trying to come up with new stuff and improve what we have. If if there's a way to improve it, we're we're always trying different stuff. So, yeah. And what would you say sets your blocks apart from everyone else's? Um, the flexibility and the pressure distribution. I mean, there's there's other acrylic blocks. You know, ours are polycarbonate and um you know there's other acrylic blocks and there's other polycarbonate blocks but none of them have the the whole idea with the tube on the top with the with the evenly spaced cuts is pressure distribution so you know if you have a longer block a lot of times if you're being if you're if you're really being finicky about it you you can notice that it'll it'll sand more where you have each hand you know it'll it'll if you lightly drag it across something, you'll notice that it sands more where your hands are, where you're putting the pressure, and that's that's one big thing behind. We call it the vertebrate design, is uh, it it allows for a certain level of flexibility, but also uh, also pressure distribution. All
0: right, that's um interesting. And then, and uh, save uh, our, our, our What's that? cnc cut and cnc routed that's another uh, point that point of difference on your ones
1: uh yeah yeah that's what i was just gonna say is you know all our all our blocks are cnc cut and they're routed edges radius corners so there's no sharp edges if you're sanding um a lot of quarter panels they might have like a kind of a bulge out and then they kind of swoop back in you know if you're sanding up into a concave line where it where it starts to come back out if you're using uh you know a a block that has a sharp edge a lot of times you can actually cut lines in that in that roll, and and that's one reason why we did that is so that you don't have any sharp edges you're not gonna cut any unwanted lines in anything
0: yeah and they're getting some you're getting good traction with these blocks i see you had a post can dig using them on their show uh yeah
1: yeah we've got uh um can dig it as use as using them um you know i they were using them on uh, a bus that volkswagen bus on that episode uh i i actually uh kind of know one of the guys that works at can dig it through the blocks he bought blocks right when i first really started making them and uh he's been using them ever since and yeah i didn't even know they were going to be on tv he actually texted me and he said hey you know season season eight, episode five, I think it was, he said, look for your blocks. And I was like, all right, awesome. So yeah, I, I definitely made sure to watch that episode. And then I, I seen him on there. So that's, that's awesome, you know? And then uh, we've got quite a few other, you know, big, I guess, well-known shops using them. I've, I've got, uh, there's a couple guys that work at the Roadster shop that are using them. And uh, I took some down to the Ring Brothers. He had bought, Mike Ring had bought some from me. So I took them right down to them because I I kind of wanted to check out their shop and what they got going on and what they're working on. They do some pretty cool stuff for people all over the world. So,
0: yeah, yeah, they're um they're they're everywhere here in Australia too. I say they're, they're blowing up big time.
1: Yep, yep. Yeah, they had a couple cars there when I was there that are that were leaving to go to New
0: Zealand and Australia and so, cool stuff. Oh, they have been restored in where you are and they're coming over to New Zealand and Australia.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, you all a, a very informative YouTube channel. I, I love watching your stuff on there. Do you wanna okay. talk a little bit about that? oh uh, yeah, yeah. So uh,
1: you know when I started when I started Linear, I uh, one thing that I Really, even before I started linear, I was I was putting out information about, you know, restoration type stuff, I guess, as far as processes and procedures and, you know, stuff like, you know, why you don't put filler over bare metal and and uniformity. You know, some guys are using, uh, you know, they'll epoxy and then they'll the next day they'll put a spray poly over that and start blocking on that. Then they'll put filler over it. And then they might poly it again. Then they use a 2K surfacer. And when you pile all these different products together, I mean, it it works. Don't get me wrong, but it could work a lot better uh, as far as expansion and contraction and different temperatures. All those different materials expand and contract at different rates. They sand at different rates. So you're kind of fighting yourself by using dissimilar products, if that makes sense. And another thing I talk about a lot is weighing your body filler 50 to 1, Uh, you know, again, with uniformity. Everything is going to sand. It's going to be the same uh, uh, hardness level, I'll say, the same substrate throughout if you mix your filler uniformly. And um, uh, the primer that I like to use is the same primer that Travis is using is uh, VP 2050, and I use that over metal. And then I do my body work over that. And then I use it again over body work for that's one reason is uniformity that that product being, being the same product top and bottom, it will expand, contract, move because things move. It doesn't matter what it is and and temperature changes things, things move around a little bit. And uh, it helps a lot with uh, what I call phantom waves. If you've ever seen a a black car in the hot sun, you know, the quarters of the roof, the big panels might, uh, they might get a little wave in them or a ripple because when that, when the, especially black cars, when they're in the hot sun, they, those panels get so hot, their panel is trying to expand and it has nowhere to go. So it either buckles or bows. So, and that, that helps a lot with that because you're using the same product
0: throughout. Yep. Yeah. I do want to pick your brain on a couple of things and, and I was talking with Travis yesterday. He, he's got a question for you as well, but, um, one is the heat of body filler. So I've talked about this with a buddy of mine and let's say you're working with a a boot. We call it a boot. You call it a trunk. Um, you got a trunk and you're going to lay, um, filler over that trunk. The heat of the filler when it's going off, do you think that that, produces enough heat to distort the panel uh i don't think so maybe temporarily
1: i mean if you're mixing if you mix a hot batch i'll say if you if you're not following the 50 to 1 if you're kind of just winging it and you put a lot of hardener in it and it gets real hot real quick i would say it could distort it temporarily you know while there's heat on it because once it's kicked it starts to cool back off and, and that's another reason why not to put filler over bare metal because if, if you have a metal temp of, you know, if it's maybe 55 or 60 degree metal temp, if it's a cooler day and you're putting filler over that, that filler is getting up to 100 or 120 degrees as it kicks, it can actually create condensation between that metal and the filler and, and then you you have rust from condensation from the, from the water in the air that that has produced from the temperature changes there. Um, but as far as like warping a panel or, or disforming a panel, if you're mixing 50 to one, I don't, I don't see any reason that it would, that it would make
0: things move or, or distort things really. Yeah. And Travis's question is, do you have any tips on, um, the keeping the killer filler from not kicking off too fast, like we're obviously very hot here, you're trying to lay up a roof or something, any tips on applying filler to stop it from curing super fast? Um, I guess not really. Temperature is, is huge.
1: You know, if, if it's 100 degrees, you're, you're going to have a lot less time to work with it than if it's 70 degrees. And, you know, here here in Wisconsin, like I said, it's cold outside right now but we keep the shop 65 70 degrees which is really about perfect for filler work because i i can you know if i mix a big batch i can have time to lay it out on the roof and then use my big widespreaders spreaders and and smooth it out before it kicks and and i know you know here here in the states down south in like alabama florida louisiana especially where it's humid they have a lot of problem with, uh, they might only be able to do maybe say a quarter of a, of a roof before it starts kicking. And, uh, I don't know, you kind of just got to work with the environment that you got at that point. There's really not, there's really not an answer for that. In my opinion, I've heard of people, you know, putting filler in the fridge and same with paints and clears and, and things like that is putting things in the fridge. So they last longer, and and that just kills every anything with isocyanates in it. If you get it below 58 degrees or if your panel temp is below 58 degrees, those isocyanates are dead, and your product will never cross-link. It'll never fully cure at a, at a low temperature.
0: Yeah. My response to uh, Travis was also the, the brand of filler that you're using. So we, we work in – our data sheets work in percentages over here. We use U-Pole Fantastic Filler, which allows you to drop down to 1% hardener above 30 degrees Celsius. Um, I know 3 and Platinum Plus is a minimum of, I, I think, I want to say 1.5 or 2%. So just the filler you use allows you to reduce the, the hardener that you're putting into it, which may increase your work time. Right, right.
1: Yeah, I would
0: I would have to agree with that. Different
1: fillers for sure have different, you know, work times. I'll say, um, yeah, it, uh, you know, fillers as they as they dry, you know, like like you were saying with the heat. But when you like, if I put filler on a on a roof like I said, most of the time for me, it's 65, 70 degrees. You know, my panel temp is maybe 65 or a little lower. And it, it, for my conditions, it works really well for me. The three M platinum plus is what uh, platinum plus and platinum select, depending what we can get is what I usually use. Um, but I am working on, uh, coming out with our own line of filler here. I've been playing with some, uh, some test products and, uh, I'm I'm really liking what we got going on here. So uh, I won't say too much about it yet because it's 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 not out yet, but it is uh, it is
0: coming. All right, that's interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Um, you touched before on the importance of uh, applying filler over epoxy primer. I brushed over it on one of my episodes and sent everyone to your YouTube link. But um, I know you're super super knowledgeable on this topic and it'd be cool if you could explain us through that. I know you just mentioned about the condensation, but just talk us through the importance of um, applying over epoxy rather than over bare steel.
1: Uh, Yeah. So filler in in general is activated by benzoyl peroxide. So uh, if you're putting filler over bare metal, you're also putting peroxide over your bare metal, which rusts metal peroxide does. It's It's an oxidizer. So it, uh, That's one huge reason, but also it's just a good idea to get your metal into epoxy as soon as possible. You know, if you've got a car, you're doing filler work on a car and bare metal for say it's two weeks, four weeks, whatever the number is, your atmosphere is going to play a big part on that. But if you're, if you're in a humid area, there's no way that you're going to do that without having visible rust, uh, up here right now in my conditions, it's below zero cold, there's really no humidity in the air, so you might not have a problem then, except for the peroxide that's in the filler. And uh, I've almost every car that I've ever stripped that has had filler over bare metal. There's always rust under it, and and that's one big reason. It, another reason could be the environment that it was done in. But in a nutshell, if you put filler over perox or over metal it will rust. It might not rust for 10 or 20 years, whatever the number is, but it will rust. Um, but as far as getting a, your metal and epoxy, uh, as soon as possible, uh, I know some guys will, uh, you know, they'll blast, they might do a little filler work or do the major stuff and then epoxy it and go from there. F- uh, flash rust happens. Microscopic rust particles are forming on steel in 30 minutes after, it's been stripped just from the oxygen in the air. So take that into consideration, I'll say, when you're, when you're doing stuff. Um, there is products you can put on your metal that are supposed to kind of lock it down and, and not make it rust, but those products generally you're not supposed to put filler over either, uh, like the metal prep products. Like As far as metal prep, uh, I'm a pretty big PPG guy. So we use the DX uh, 579 and DX 520 metal prep system uh, with it basically puts a phosphate coating on the metal. And and if you look at that under a microscope, it it helps adhesion a huge that that phosphate helps adhesion a lot because it if you look at it under a microscope, it looks like tiny fingers coming off the metal that are just grabbing your epoxy. And uh, it, it works much better than just sanding and and epoxying. you're 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 doing one more step of corrosion protection at that point
0: yeah and humidity would be like you would touch on that before that's that's a major player like so you're at zero degrees but because your humidity low that that comes into play
1: yeah i i mean i wouldn't uh For me i guess it really doesn't come into play because it doesn't matter if it's humid or not what the temperature is we we try to blast and then get it in epoxy the same day or if we're a lot of times uh um in certain conditions like if we're doing say a body tub we'll we'll blast uh the inside the bottom the firewall everything but the skins and then we'll epoxy all that then we'll strip the skins and then we'll do the DX metal prep system on the skins and then we'll epoxy them. So it, it kind of depends on the budget and what kind of car it is and, and really what's going to happen with the car. Um, you know, if it's a, uh, a budget build, I'll say we probably won't use the metal prep system just because it's added time. It's added, you know, you're adding days worth of just getting the car into epoxy at that point. Yeah, uh, you feel like you're
0: doubling up, but um, you're doing, you know, the optimal result.
1: Right, right. It's uh, there's nothing wrong with not using it if it's done correctly. I'll say, but it's always a good idea to use a metal prep system.
0: Yeah, the other interesting video, and it was all over social media, was your um, you did a bunch of shrinkage tests. I like that. Do you want to talk us through some of your results and what was going on there? Uh, yeah, so, uh,
1: I did, uh, I guess kind of some of the more common primers, at least among the people that I talk to a lot, um, here in the States, I don't even know if you guys have it in Australia, but here in the States we have, uh, uh, Tamco is, is kind of coming up, um, a lot on, on social media and a lot of guys are liking their products and they're fairly priced, you know, compared to PPG there, a lot of their stuff is half the price or less um but i decided to do a uh, a shrink test on these and and to try to do it as scientifically as i i could think to do it so what i did was i took uh tamco hp 5310 uh, which is a dtm high build primer uh and then i took squeegee's high build epoxy it's a it's a true epoxy one-to-one they require an induction period of 30 minutes like a lot of epoxies do, um, but it's a high build sandable epoxy. And then I took the VP2050, and we weighed, weighed all the mixes out exact uh, what the manufacturer calls for on the scale mix. Uh, so I mixed everything, and then I took 12-inch a, a by 12-inch metal panels, and I put three coats of each product on there. I did a wet film build test and surprisingly they were all around uh, 14 mils I think it was and uh, wet but then I weighed each panel right after I sprayed it I weighed each panel to see what the entire panel weighed wet and then we went from there so after that the next day I weighed each panel again to see what the initial loss of of weight was because if you're if you're if your panel is losing weight it's shrinking because solvents are still coming out of it a lot of people think that when a primer or a clear or any sprayable product is dry that it's dry and that's not the case at all when you it's dry you can sand it but it's not cured i mean it's cured but it's not dry if that makes sense so it's cured you can sand it you could paint over it but it's not dry. There's still solvents in there. And, and as that's where a lot of people don't understand shrinkage is they think it's a reaction of whatever they put over top of this primer or that primer is reacting. And, and it's, it's not, it's, it's those solvents are still coming out. And that's, that's one reason why I am really honestly quite against 2k urethane primers is because they have so much solvent in them that it's just, uh, I mean, that, they take sometimes six or eight weeks or more to fully dry and stop losing weight and, and stop shrinking. And, uh, you know, when I first started doing body work, even up to, you know, five, six years ago, I was struggling with shrinkage. We'd get a car done. It would look great and it would leave and it would we'd see it again at a car show or something a few months later year later and we're like wow that thing really needs buffed again you know there's sand scratches coming through and things like that and that was when we were using the epoxy poly 2k method before we discovered the 2050 and uh that 2050 is is by far the best product that i've ever used as far as a primer uh it stopped shrinking within about three days and I don't remember the numbers. I don't have them in front of me, but uh, I want to say it only lost like three grams worth of weight where some of the other primers were losing five, eight grams after four days and, and continuously losing weight, you know, maybe a week or two later, they're still losing weight. And uh, I did, uh, I didn't, I don't have a video on it, but I did do a shrink test the same way with a, uh, with a 2k urethane. It was a Spee's, Product. I don't remember the exact number, but we had a customer that wanted us to use the Speeds 2K urethane on his car, and I said I really don't want to do that. And he said, "Why?" And I I said, "Well, I'll show you. You know." So, uh, the build was half the build, wet film build as the 2050, and it it took almost eight weeks for it to completely lose weight, and it lost a lot of weight, and and it's just, uh, I don't know the 2K urethane products are are uh, kind of a thing of the past for me and along with spray polys um, spray poly also there's a lot of a lot of spray polys that say that they're dtm and in my opinion i don't know how they can say that because uh spray poly is activated a lot of them are activated by a liquid hardener which is peroxide in a nutshell there's a lot of peroxide in that and and you're literally spraying it's polyester. It's just like putting filler over bare metal. You know, you're 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 putting that peroxide over the bare metal uh, by using a DTM spray poly, and and I've seen it fail. I, I uh, oh probably eight or ten years ago. I worked at a, a shop where we did uh, a little bit of everything, and we had a, an old Dodge uh, box in there that I was working on. And they wanted me to use a a spray poly uh, and not use epoxy, just go straight to spray poly. And I kind of expressed my opinion about that. And and, uh, they said, no, it's fine. Just do it. You know, so I did. And these parts sat on the shelf for probably three months. And it was the middle of summer. It was real humid. And we pulled them off the shelf and there was literally blisters. And, And when we peeled those blisters off, there was water in them because that Poly, poly's and urethanes both uh, breathe. They they will absorb moisture and they will wick it back out over time. That's why you're not supposed to put uh, a urethane clear on a boat. That's why they use gel coat on boats because the gel coat
0: doesn't breathe like a urethane. Right. How are you planning on doing tests with clear coats as well?
1: Uh, I probably will. Um, I I just. I'm honestly strapped for time right now between working on the shop and, and, and doing blocks. And uh, we just got a new facility here in Antigo, where we're going to have some classes and I'm trying to get everything set up here uh, for the classes. And, and we have basically uh, just a room that we have all our inventory in and it's, it's just, uh, it's a never ending. Once I cross one thing on my list, three more get added, you know? So
0: yeah how's uh how's COVID over there is that affecting your your um being able to offer training courses and things like that
1: um not really I don't honestly where we're at uh there there is COVID cases but uh I mean really nobody wears a mask around here I guess I don't know if you could call it some people call us rednecks I guess but uh a lot of people around here, I guess we just kind of don't really buy into it a whole lot. You know, Um, we don't, we
0: don't, we don't let the world stop over it, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) It's the same here. People were, we're constantly like one week master on one week master off. People are getting fed up with it.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I think that's all over the world at this point.
0: Yeah. Um, I will ask you, do you have a dream car? I've been asking my guests on the show. Do you, do you know what your dream car would be? Uh yeah, actually I have it. I just have to build it. Um I've so
1: uh a few years ago we did a a 57 Chevy uh two door at Tony's and he the guy it was right uh we finished the car right as covid was was really starting to be a thing and uh the plan with the car when we were building it was that it was going to go and tried he was going to take it and try to compete for the riddler with it and then that year they end up canceling the Detroit auto show and with the to to be considered for the great eight or the riddler you can't uh, you can't post the car on social media you can't reveal the car anywhere uh so he the owner once the car was done basically said I'm not going to hide my car for the next year and hope that they have it next year I just I'm just going to drive my car and we're going to put it on Facebook and and Anyway, that, that level of a build was, was really fun. I mean it, obviously there's things about it that sucked, but it was seeing it done was just, wow, because I mean, that's the only car I've ever spent. I think I had 250 hours blocking the bottom of the floor pans and the bottom of the car. Uh, you know, we, we blocked everything every square inch of everything and, and it, it, it was, it's a beautiful car but that car really turned me on to, uh, uh, I have a 57 Buick special that I bought shortly after that. Uh, we pulled it out of a field that had been sitting there for roughly 30 years. The owner said, uh, but, but, uh, that's, that's kind of my dream car. That's the one that is really, you know, that's, that's the one that I want to stay in my family when it's done, I guess, you know, it's, we're going to do, obviously we're going to rest them I'm going to, we're going to do a, uh, we're going to make it a unibody instead of having a frame and a body, we're going to make it a unibody. I want to do, uh, we're going to do an independent nine inch in the back, uh, probably a LS3 with maybe a pro charger, uh, with a T56. We're going to do Mustang two front suspension, um, dig handles. You know, we're going to pretty much just make it, uh, a modern 57 special. So I've seen, uh, I've seen some pictures of, of one that I really like. It's black with uh, some red pinstripes and, and it's bagged. It's, it's just a, they're just, I don't know. To me, I can't believe that they're not more popular because they, they have, they look a lot like a 57 Chevy, but more elegant. I'll say they have, they just have a little, uh, a richer look to them. I I don't know. I, they're just, they really, that, that car just gets me, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) that's cool that you can you can
0: pick one out Um, yeah so you've got that dream card. do you want to i like to ask people if they could take us through your process from say bare steel right through to top coat okay so um
1: i guess you know generally uh when when i get the car uh it's already been metal worked and the gaps have already been done all the modification has been done uh so, you know, where I work out at Tony's Hot Rod Shop, we have a couple guys that, that do most of the fab. And they, you know, when I get the car, everything's already been fit and I get the car. Um, but from metal, like when we sandblast, we'll, we'll put the car on the rotisserie, we'll blast everything. Uh, if we have, you know, rust to fix and things like that, we'll leave the car in bare metal and do all our metal work. And then we'll take it back out when we're finished with metal work, we'll blast it again and immediately epoxy it. And then after all the pieces are in epoxy, we, we get the car back on the ground, whether it be, you know, both the suspension back on it or put it back on the frame or, or whatever, if it's a frame or a unibody car. Um, and then we reline all the panels, try to get everything to fit as, as good as it can. Um, at that point, gaps had been done already uh, before blast, we generally do gaps before we blast and before we epoxy and that. But, uh, so when I get the car, it's been, the metal work's been done and it's gapped, it's in epoxy, it's ready for filler work. Uh, so like I said, we're using 2050 and I will, uh, I'll generally just kind of run a block over it just to kind of see what I got going on. I'll give it a few swipes to see if there's anything that's real high or real low that, that, really needs attention before i put filler on and generally it doesn't you know the metal work is generally pretty good but uh um after that what i like to do is uh basically take a da and 80 to 120 180 somewhere in that range and and sand that 2050 put a nice tooth in it for filler to stick to uh i'll do my filler work you know we do panel to panel on everything and then uh i'll do 2050 over filler work And generally I'll, I'll uh, let it sit at least two or three days before we cut it open and start blocking on it. Um, Another thing with, with our filler work is, is after we do filler work, I like to bake everything with an infrared light. Um, I talk about that quite a bit in videos and, and on social media and stuff. Um, But what that does is any, any uh, solvent that's still in your filler work or, or in your substrate the infrared light will uh, it'll actually heat the metal. It's not like baking in a booth where it's heating the air around the car. It's actually heating the car from the metal up. So it's forcing any solvent out from the metal up instead of drying your top coat and trapping solvent like a traditional bake booth. Um, But I'll bake my filler. Then we'll prime again with 2050. Uh, Then we, uh, you know, like I said, give it a few days and then we'll start blocking on the 2050 again And I'll do a panel to panel. We'll get it. We'll get the car basically like it's ready to paint on the outside. And then we take the whole car apart. We put it back on the rotisserie. We do uh, any body work we're going to do on the bottom. You know, we do the jams, the, all the seam sealing, everything like that. Uh, and then, uh, as far as the paint process, um, what I like to do is, uh, once everything's prepped, we will get it in the booth. Uh, some guys use sealer some guys don't it's a big controversial thing and and i have a video on youtube of of why you should use sealer and it kind of explains lift windows and 1k versus 2k products but in a nutshell if you don't use sealer you're not getting a complete cross-linking system in your paint system you know your every paint system is designed to be for sealer to be used because you have isos in your sealer and your base coat is not activated most of the time so there's technically no isocyanates in your in your in your base coat and there is in your clear and when you do a tricoat um, or you are doing a multi-stage color uh, they generally recommend that you activate your base coat which is you're putting ISOs into your base coat so that your ISOs and your sealer and your ISOs and your clear can get through your base coat and properly cross link where if you're doing, you know, one solid color and you're putting two or three coats of base on those ISOs will work their way through that base and they'll, they'll uh, cross link. But if you have too much mill thickness of your base coat or your, you know your your color stage I'll say it might be base and a candy or base and a mid coat whatever it is um if you have too much mill thickness there those products can't get to each other and and uh one of the first candy jobs I did was a 71 pantera um we used the DX57 which is PPG's uh Deltron's um base coat activator and in the text sheet, it didn't say anything about lift windows, and now it does because we, uh, we had issues. Uh, when we started spraying candy, everything started lifting, and, and at the time, we didn't know what was going on. The rep didn't know what was going on. He's trying to figure it out. But <clears throat> um, in a nutshell, it was a lift window issue because we used DX57 and put ISOs in the base coat. Now you have a lift window issue and you'll run into the same thing with sealers a lot of times <clears throat> because uh, like the DAS sealer that I use, uh, the TDS, I think it says it has a one hour lift window. So if you let that sealer sit for an hour before you put base on it, when you put base on it, it may lift and wrinkle. Um, so I use, uh, I do sealer and then I basically just let it flash to where I can tack it off and then I go to base. Um, after I've got one coat of base on, I'll go back in with, uh, some 600 grit and anywhere there's a, a a dirt nib or anything that I don't like, I'll just kind of lightly hit it, um, get it out of there, tack the whole car off again, and then continue with color. Um, and then, uh, once I am satisfied with, with that, I have color coverage, I'll, uh, I'll actually shut the lights off in the booth um a lot of guys you know they like to go in there with the sun gun and look at it and and a lot of guys don't shut the lights off and that shutting the lights off painting in the dark seems like a ridiculous idea but it actually instead of light coming from every angle cuz generally paint booths have lights in every corner top bottom sides so on and so forth but when you shut the lights off and you concentrate on one light we use a sun gun uh we use generally the 3m sun gun um but you can check side tone you can check for modeling and tiger striping and you can see a lot more especially with metallics with the lights off
0: um yeah i think that's that's great that you brought that up no one's brought that up before i think and that's um yeah i use that technique that's that's a good good advice
1: yeah for sure for sure
0: and uh Yeah, when I
1: when I started working at Tony's, actually, he he kind of was like, why do you shut the lights off? You know, and and uh, there was we were on we were doing, I'll say, a budget build. It was a 67 Camaro um, in I don't remember the color. It was a light blue metallic. And uh, we were using Omni, which is uh, PPG's kind of cheaper line, I'll say. And it doesn't cover great. I think it took five coats of base to cover on that car. But after it had two coats of base on it, with the lights on, it looked great. It, it looked like it was ready to clear. And I shut the lights off, went in and looked at it. You could see right through the color. You could see the sealer right through the color. It was super blotchy and mottled just because it wasn't covered yet. And, yeah,
0: it's, uh, that's hard to explain to someone too, I was trying to explain it to someone and, and... – you kind of have to show them that that um, turn the lights off and show them what you're talking about, and then it's like a light bulb moment. Oh, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's, yeah. Uh, it's also yeah. great to picking up um, say, see-through edges and stuff. Yeah, for sure. And and I, just about
1: every video that I have on YouTube that that I'm painting in, I talk about that in, in every video, and I and I show what I'm looking for because same thing. I'll take the video with the lights on it looks great and uh you shut the lights off and you concentrate on on one light and it changes everything you know it it's uh especially you know silvers can be tricky depending on the size of the metallic and and what is in the color but silvers most of the time are basically just straight metallic there's really no pigment in a silver you might have a few drops of blue or a few drops of black in a, in a certain color but silvers for the most part are uh they're basically just flakes of metal you know they're just they're just uh metallics and if you put silver over a valley shade four sealer you put two coats on it looks great until you shut the lights off and that panel just turns gray sealer again and and that's exactly why you shut the lights off
0: yeah um that's so you've, you've got base on now you, you're clear. Do you, do you run a flow code or you prefer to bomb? Uh,
1: That's another thing that's really controversial Um, here in, here in the States. Anyway, there's, there's a lot of guys that swear by a flow code and there's guys that swear by not flow coding. And, and uh, I think Travis talked about it a little bit um, the other day, but flow coding, you know, if you put three coats of clear on, and say you block that down with 600 and then you put three more coats of clear on, you really only have three coats worth of mill build to buff on, to sand and buff on. So um, I, I like to spray. So I, I spray uh, global D8152. It's a glamor clear. It's a really slow drying clear. Um, but it lays out really nice. I, I like to use a, a one, two. I've been I was uh, using a, a Tecna with a one-two for quite a while, but I, I just kind of got turned on to the Sada 5500 with the one-two. I really like how that lays that clear out. Um, but but a one tip for clear, a lot of a lot of TDS sheets and that say use a one-three or a one-four. They almost never say to use a one-two. But if you want it to lay out really well you need to break that clear up as it's coming out of the gun. You need a finer mist, so you need a smaller nozzle. It'll it'll break that clear up a lot better, and it'll lay out a lot better. And I also will over-reduce my clear about 10% generally, uh, depending on temperature and conditions and that. But, but uh, if you can keep that clear wet just a little longer, it'll lay out a little better also. Um, but, yeah, I, I generally do uh, four coats, of clear if, if we're, if we're shooting for laser straight, uh, quality, I'll use, uh, I'll do four coats of D8152 and, and I'll adjust my flash times. You know, the, the TDS set will say 10 to 15 minute flash at 70 or whatever the number is. Uh, I'll, uh, you know, I'll do 10 to 15 minutes between my first and second coat. And then, I'll do maybe 20 minutes between my second and third and then 30 to 40 minutes between my third and fourth. And I don't know, depending on the clear and the conditions and everything, you're going to have to kind of just do the tack test on the clear to see if it's ready for another coat. But a a general rule of thumb is, is, uh, you know, roughly, roughly double your flash time for each coat of clear. So if, you know, if you're doing three coats, you do your first coat, you give it 10 minutes, you do your second coat, you give it 20 minutes, you do your third coat. That's a, a general rule. That's not always the case, but that's a good starting point.
0: Yeah, that's good advice. I was going to ask you your uh, pick of paint brand and spray guns, but I think you've touched on that. I'm, I'm going to assume it's PPG and a Sada 5500? Uh, Yeah,
1: I, I use, uh, you know, I don't just use Sada. I use i I use Devilibus. I have a, uh, Tecna that I really like for candies. Uh, I just really like the way that it sprays the, the Vibrance candies. Um, and you know, for base, uh, most metallic colors. I, I like the, uh, uh, I've got a Sada 3000 with a one three that I really like for base. And then, uh, I just picked up a Walcom. Uh, I don't even remember the name of it. Uh, car carbon something or another but uh i actually just just sprayed with that one for the first time today and uh uh, and my initial impression it sprays really nice uh but i'm going to keep using that one a little bit for base and see just see how it compares to the sada but uh you know like i think freddie was saying the other day they all work great it's, it's really a personal preference of, of what you like
0: and, and how you like to
1: spray, you know.
0: Yep, for sure. All right. Um, I think I've taken enough of your time. It's nearly been an hour. <laughs> um, <laughs> I might start to wrap it up. Where do you, you want to give yourself a shout out? Where, where can we find you? Where can we find and buy some linear blocks? Uh, yeah,
1: so... Uh, My website is um, www.linearblockingtools.com. Down in Australia, it's linearblockingtools.com.au. I don't sell to Australia. We have distributors in Australia for that. Um, So anybody in Australia, you have to buy from the Australian website. And same thing in Canada. Um, I don't sell to Canada. We have a Canadian website for that. But, uh, uh, you know, social media facebook linear blocking tools we've got linear blocking tools australia on facebook linear blocking tools canada on facebook and instagram um linear blocking tools on instagram the linear blocking tools youtube channel uh that's really all the the social media and and that that i that i do i'm not on tiktok or any of that but we'll (laughs) we'll see how it goes you know
0: so you're also um yeah check out Colton's uh, YouTube channel. He's um, you can tell by this episode, he's a super knowledgeable guy that um, I get a lot of value out of his YouTube. And I appreciate you putting out that content for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Um, man. Thanks. thanks.
1: One one more thing, I guess I, I wanted to mention is uh, you know, right now, probably everywhere in the world, everybody's having a hard time finding help. Uh, Just like everybody, we are looking for help at Tony's, uh, here in Anago. so if anybody's listening that's interested uh, get a hold of me and we'll go from there
0: awesome oh I'll, uh, I'll put that on the social media as well
1: awesome appreciate it
0: thanks for coming on man yeah no problem thanks for having me see you dude bye yep